Podcast 2024. Glad you can join me. Now, this is part two of the World Night Heart Epic, and it's something that I wanted to cover for quite a while now, and I didn't have all the parts to be able to do it about mid-lunch here at the House of Panama. Last week, we covered the road to House of tie-ins. We'll uh, see what's going on with the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and maybe even a little bit of Hulk in this episode of what's going on, plus the first, uh, I believe, three issues of the main storyline of House of M. There's a lot of tie-ins, so it's going to be a multi-part epic. So we start off with issue one of House of M. Wanda is reliving Earth of her twins. She's surrounded by friends and family of some of the X-Men, Doctor Strange, Magneto, Quicksilver, Vision, and the professor rolls in, because he's in his wheelchair at this point, and he's like, Wanda, you have no children, there's no one in the room but me and you. She's arguing with them. He goes, put the world back. The power's kind of short circuit, she's back into the room and she's crying on the floor, and she's screaming, I killed the Avengers, I killed my husband, I killed everybody, and he's just, you know, he, he suggests that she falls asleep. Now Magneto comes in. Now they're in uh, a building in Genosha, the mutant island nation, uh, where Magneto has taken over. And Magneto comes in to see what's going on, and he goes, Every time your daughter uses her powers to alter reality, she loses more of a grip on reality. It's not getting any better, and we can't keep drugging her and making her go to sleep. It's inhumane. And Magneto uh, is feeling really bad because he enrolled her into the first incarnation of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants way back in the 60s. She was on the first Brotherhood team, and he's believing that all the pain that he's caused her over the years is what led her to this. And the professor doesn't really agree with that, and he's saying uh, that his sacrifice, if anything, does happen to her. Uh, would be for nothing. There are plenty of people who think that he deserves this. And the professor says, but she doesn't. So then we get to see the gathering of heroes. Uh, New Avengers Mansion. It's a tall skyscraper building, kind of reminiscent of Avengers Tower in uh, the Avengers 1 and 2. Stark Tower in Avengers 1, Avengers Tower in 2. And we see some of the gathering Avengers. We see uh, Carol Danvers, Sam Wilson, Simon Wilson, uh, Wonder Man, Miss Marvel, Falcon, uh, coming into the building, and they're kind of gathering up. And then we see a very familiar X-Men plane, the Blackbird, land. And in this incarnation of the X-Men at this point in time, it's the Astonishing X-Men, where we have Cyclops, Wolverine, Kitty Pride, a newly resurrected Colossus, uh, White Queen, and Beast. Now, White Queen and Cyclops are in a relationship at this point in time, too, because it was after Jean Grey had died again so they're in a relationship so the x-men are going why are we at avengers tower and they come into this big meeting room and the professor is there with a bunch of avengers captain america yellow jacket wasp carol danvers wonder man iron man falcon spider-man she hulk luke cage and sentry along with doctor strange and they're happy to see the professor because they hadn't seen him in a while and cyclops is like why are we here and the professor says, we need to figure out what to do about Wanda. 
Now we go back to Genosha, Wanda sleeping in a bed, and Quicksilver is by her side. And he comes and tells Magneto they're going to kill her. He goes, what are you talking about? They're all the Avengers and all the X-Men. They're meeting right now in New York. I was just there. They're agreeing to kill her. Why else would they meet? My sister, your own daughter, you have to do something. And Magneto's like, what would you have me do? He goes, they're going to kill her. And then Magneto says again, what would you have me do? Uh, Pietro cries at his feet. He looks at Wanda, looks down at Pietro, and it was kind of a silent moment. And then back at Avengers Tower, they're having a heated discussion because the Avengers won't vote to kill another Avenger. That's just not what they do. And the X-Men are trying to say that this is a mutant thing, but it's not uh, something against mutants. It's a mutant that her powers are out of control. And Doctor Strange is saying, I'm still researching. I don't know if I can do anything about it. Captain America is saying he's working on it. We need to let him do what he does and see what we can come out of this. And uh, Black, our White Queen says we should vote. Captain America says no. She's not an X-Men. She's an Avenger. The Avengers say no. And White Queen is insisting that this is a mutant problem. We need to take care of this. And... Uh, Wasp says, Wanda was like a sister to me. I need to hear what she wants. I need to see her. So they're all like, hey, can you protect us, Charles, and everybody from what's going to happen if we go? So the Professor, Doctor Strange, and White Queen say, yes, we can protect everybody in case Wanda has a problem. So then they fly to Genosha. They go into the building where the Professor was with Wanda. Nobody's there. And... Iron Man's like, did Magneto move her? He took her. And Professor says, she's not on the island. I can't see her anywhere. So they have this really weird feeling about it. And Doctor Strange is trying to find her. And uh, Spider-Man's spider senses are tingling. And he's looking over to another part of the island. And Emma Frost, White Queen, goes, she's there. So they all kind of flood over to like this uh, temple, so to speak, where Magneto had like his uh, area where uh, he had his government. And they all walk into the building and they're looking around trying to find him. Spider-Man walks into the building and he's looking at this one part of the building. It's all dark and gray. Nothing. He looks over. His spider sense tingle. Bright light. Everything changes. So Spider-Man wakes up in the morning and somebody's saying, Peter, it's your turn because there's baby crying. He goes, okay, it's my turn, I'm coming. And he gets up and goes and takes care of his baby. And you look in the bed at the person that he's with, and it's not Mary Jane Watson, who's a redhead at the time. It's blonde hair. So you're thinking, what is going on with this? Then we get to House of M2. This is where it starts to get more interesting. We see an old man come out of an apartment looking through a mail. And he said the mail is addressed to Rogers, Stephen Captain, and he's an old man. He's walking down the street where there looks like there's a bunch of mutant kids playing. We go to Hartford, Connecticut. There's a Scott Summers and Emma Frost who seem to be married talking about things that are going on. And then we see Dazzler, Allison Blair. She's the host of a talk show and she's interviewing Wonder Man. So you're already going, what is going on here? We see Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers. She's helping uh, catch a bunch of convicts. One of the convicts is Remy LeBeau, Gambit. She turns him into the authorities. The NYPD picks him up outside of a statue of a sentinel head. So this is really bizarre, too. We see a nightclub. A couple of detectives walk in. And he says, my name is Detective Sam Wilson. Are you Luke Cage? Luke Cage seems to be like a boss of a empire. This is some really weird stuff. And they're talking about uh, uh, crime and 
uh, who, who's been doing some underground things and some very weird things. Then we see Dr. Stephen Strange, psychologist, talking to Bobby Drake about some problems he's been having. Like, Dr. Strange isn't a psychologist. We see Colossus is on a farm, farming in Russia. That's very weird. Then we go to Chicago, to a lab. A deferred Hank McCoy is in a research lab with Dr. Hank Pym, and they're talking about working for Tony Stark and Stark Industries. Like, okay, first of all, Beast doesn't have any blue fur. What's up with this? We go to France. Storm is trying on dresses from a fashion coordinator, Janet Van Dyne. That's really weird, too. We end the issue. We see Wolverine remembering things from the Weapon X project. He remembers being in the, the tank that gave him his medal. He wakes up, and a redhead says, Good morning, James. Pulls out his claws. He goes, What's going on here? And the shapeshifter deshapes, and it's Mystique. She's like, You didn't mind all this action last night. She's like, Wait a minute. Wolverine is with Mystique? And he's like, What's going on? Where am I? And he goes out into this hallway from the room. He's like, uh, What are you guys doing? There's these two military guys, and they say, James, what's going on with you? He goes outside. He's on a shield helicarrier surrounded by jets and planes and a couple of sentinels with these flags flying with a big M on them. And he's just totally lost. And all the readers at this time were totally lost, too. So before we get into issue three of House of M, the storyline, we start looking at some of the other characters and seeing what's going on with some of the other characters. We're going to start out in read order with Fantastic Four House of M number one. And uh, a lot of these are uh, three-parters. The Spider-Man one is five. We get to see the Fantastic Four, but they're not called the Fantastic Four. They're called the Frightful Four. They're going after Mole Man and his people. They call themselves Fearsome Four. It wasn't the Frightful Four. That was, uh, that was a, a misquote from the uh, original storyline. You have the Invincible Woman, the Inhuman Torch, who has wings and fangs. And then you have this big monster called the It. And they're going after Mole Man and his people. And their leader is Victor Von Doom. Like, okay, what's up with this? Dr. Doom leads this four, and it's just really weird. So they come back to Latveria, Dr. Doom's home uh, city, his country that he rules, and the the team is uh, uh, being celebrated in a parade, and it's just it it's a different Fantastic Four. You're like, what is going on here? This is definitely warped. And calling themselves the fear the fearsome four, that's some stuff right there. I mean, is that really Ben Grimm? That's definitely not Sue Storm, and that's uh, definitely not the Fantastic Four that we know. We see that. Dr. Doom kind of has his own thing going on. He's the ruler of Latveria. He has this four, and he talks about uh, trying to help the it, trying to get him uh, not to be as dumb as he used to be. And they're looking over this research, and one of the doctors says, uh, I've been looking over this uh, work written by a college classmate of yours, one Reed Richards, and he starts freaking out, and he goes... He is dead. He he was his stuff was ill conceived. He he and his entire sad screw of space explorers met that with disaster and ruin. 
they died in space, forget them. So he goes into another room and he sees somebody who's in a wheelchair. He goes over to her and says, hello, mother. They're like, wait a minute, Dr. Doom's mom is alive? The whole point of his rage and for him to get the mystics and all the powers was to try and save his mom's spirit who had died. So his mom is alive? That's some crap right there. So as he's talking to his mom, somebody comes in and says, there is a request for a call coming from the House of M. Like, ooh, okay, let's see what this House of M is. It's Quicksilver. He's saying, my father wants you to come to Genosa. He goes, no, I have some stuff at home to take care of. I will be there at my earliest convenience. Well, Quicksilver comes from Genosha to Latveria and comes in. You misunderstand. Magneto's request was not a request. So obviously he flies to Genosha, and uh, Dr. Doom is in his lab, uh, Magneto's lab. He comes with the Fearsome Four, and he comes with it, and he's talking to Magneto, who's the ruler Magnus. And uh, they're talking about some experiments that they need to work on. And uh, he, he thinks Doom is on his side, but apparently Doom is not. He goes, he comes out of the meeting with Magneto. He goes, there's work to be done, it. This cannot continue. The House of M lies fall. It will fall. And from the ashes, the House of Doom will rise. So even in an alternate universe, Dr. Doom is power hungry and just a big, uh, big old jerk. So before we get to Spider-Man House of M number one, we're going to take a brief pause. And when we come back, we'll start off with the rest of the issues we're going to talk about in this episode. We'll be back. And welcome back. We're going to kick back off into Spider-Man House of M1. So there's a little synopsis on the pages and uh, of every issue in House of M. Just kind of like a quick recap. Mutants rule the world. Uh, f uh, homo sapiens, humans, few in number, cling... Uh, to the margins, uh, warming themselves in the last little flickers of life before extinction. Their new masters, mutants, have taken over, and the rich and famous Peter Parker studies his not-dead wife, Gwen Stacy, and their child, Richie. He believes that uh, there's nothing strange or special about their presence in this scene, but his heart feels relief that he can't explain. Yeah, because in his heart, he's married to Gwen Stacy and has a kid, so he, he's just like, what the heck? So he's looking over his wife, uh, you know, he tells her to go back to sleep, and he's walking around this building, and you see, like, like these posters and everything of uh, uh, Spider-Man fighting villains, Spider-Man in the wedding of the decade to Gwen Stacy. And you're like, okay, I guess he's married to Gwen Stacy. So he's uh, uh, kind of doing some exercises in this Spider-Man compound, and uh, you see this old guy named Ben who's walking up to the compound, and the security guard is Rhino. Like, okay, Spider-Man fans are like, what in the actual? Let me see who Ben is. It's freaking Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben is alive, talking to Peter about his responsibilities, his public relations people, and he's like, you need to start treating your public relations people a little bit better. He's like, okay, fine, I'll start talking to him and everything. So as Peter's getting ready to go to a meeting, he shaves his head because he's like, you know what? I wanted to try something new. I'm going to shave my head. Because apparently in this reality, Spider-Man is a celebrity. He's a really popular celebrity. So he shaved his head and he's on a helicopter to New York with uh, Uncle Ben. And he's talking to somebody else uh, that has a meeting with uh, Spider-Man's people too. But this guy's a human, so they're not really letting him in. And it's Captain Stacy. So Captain Stacy is alive. And he's talking to... Spider-Man's publicist who's telling all these mutant guards to let him in too. His publicist 
is one J. Jonah Jameson, salary publicist for the one of the ten richest mutants, Peter Parker, the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh my god, what? This is just some weird stuff. So we see Captain Stacy is addressing a crowd who is talking about Peter and introducing Peter to uh, this lecture that he's doing, his son-in-law, Peter Parker. And uh, he's talking about this innovation that Peter came up with to help defend against uh, rogue humans. So he tells one of the mutant guards that gave him crap earlier to come attack him. And the guard attacks him, but these webs shoot out of Captain Stacy's hands because Spider-Man has developed this technology, the web shooters, to attack people. He's telling people that the web shooters are this great invention. So they're like, wait a minute, Spider-Man has... Spider-Man's not a mutant. Why is he not telling everybody about these web shooters? So we see Gwen Stacy works for uh, Norman Osborn, because, you know, that's always going to be great. And he doesn't seem like he's too happy with Peter. In any reality, he is. And he's kind of, uh, you know, having a talk with Gwen Stacy. And uh, it doesn't look like it's going too well. And she kind of looks like she doesn't trust him. But then you go back to another part of uh, Peter's life, and Aunt May is playing and babysitting Peter and Gwen's kid. And you're like, wow, Aunt May and Uncle Ben are alive in this. So they're getting uh, Peter all dolled up, and they tell him to come into this room. It ends up being a surprise birthday party for Peter. All of his friends in there, his wife, his family, and everything. Jameson is there. And uh, we see Jonah kind of like get yelled at by Peter because he's like uh, how could you do this party for me when I have all these things to do and he he doesn't seem to be treating Jonah very well now this is the opposite because Jonah never really treated Peter very well so it's kind of like okay what's going on here so uh Peter uh kisses Gwen says hey I gotta go run on a couple errands and uh you hear that uh there's some interesting stuff going on. Rhino is flirting with Mary Jane, and he looks kind of jealous, like, what's going on here? A little bit later after the party, Jonah is drunk on a couch in his apartment, and the Green Goblin comes in, and he says, Hogan? He goes, okay, is that Happy Hogan? He goes, no, not Hogan. I'm the Green Goblin, and you're the pawn who's going to help me destroy Spider-Man. And Jonah looks afraid for a second, and he stops, and he goes, when do we start? I'm like, okay... Jonah's going to be a jerk in this, too. <laughs> then we go to one of my favorite little parters of this, the Iron Man House of M. We see that Tony Stark is in a weird-looking Iron Man suit fighting Sentinels. And it looks like it's this game show. And Johnny Storm is in a similar uh, mechanical outfit, and it's in a thing that's televised called sapien deathmatch they're in suits of armor fighting sentinels and it looks like it's a big publicized tv show it's really weird looking but in this reality tony stark has made stark industries one of the biggest corporations on the planet and making tony one of the most successful humans but he's still a human in a world run by mutants. So humans can only go so high in the hierarchy of command. And Howard Stark is still alive in this, who continues to advise him about the running of Stark Enterprises. And uh, it's talking about how Tony never really stepped out of his dad's shadow. And we're going to see about that in a few minutes. And we see Tony defeats Johnny Storm, but he turns his back for a second, gets dumped down by a sentinel, and the Sentinel opens up, and it's Howard Stark who wins the competition. Howard's first place, Tony is second place, and Johnny Storm is third. 
Like, wow, this is just a weird reality. And Tony and his dad are kind of having this interaction at Stark Industries. Uh, Stark goes in and talks to Hank Pym. Where Hank Pym is working on a project where he's saying he's uh, genome mapping the mutant genome. And they all start freaking out because in the House of M, they're not allowed to do that. And Howard is looking down at Tony like, oh, this is a huge disappointment, Tony. What are you doing? And he's kind of reliving, it's kind of mirroring Tony's actual re relationship with his dad before he died, where uh, Howard uh, was disappointed in him as a kid. But apparently in the House of M, it's just a really, really big disappointment. So Tony kind of shakes it off and goes into this secret lab where he has the secret armor uh, getting ready to take flight. And he's looking for Hank Pym, who his dad made him fire, but Hank Pym is gone, so he's got to go searching for Hank Pym to make sure that he's not going through and taking this mutant genome project further and maybe implement uh, them into this problem. So he does a huge search for Hank Pym and he finds this house and does this infrared thing and he finds an underground bunker where a bunch of people are gathering and he thinks one of them is Hank Pym. So he goes down into the bunker, disables all these guys that have guns and everything, and just before he's supposed to talk to the leader of that group, a big-ass sentinel hand comes out of nowhere in the sky, grabs him, pulls him around. It's a bunch of sentinels attacking the complex as well. And the people that are there are saying, run, 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 hide. And the sentinels uh, are about ready to take out Tony. And this one sentinel destroys all the other sentinels. It puts its knee down on Iron Man, Tony. And the sentinel head opens up and says, it's over, Tony. And Howard Stark is at the controls of the sentinel. And he goes, Dad? And... Uh, we see Howard go, what a disappointment. Damn, that's some shock right there. So we get to issue three of House of M. And Wolverine has awoken. He discovers the reality that he knew was gone. Uh, we see superstar actor Peter Parker lives with his wife Gwen Stacy. Tony Stark uh, runs Stark Industries out of Chicago. New York City's Hell Kitchen is widely known as called Sapien Town run by Luke Cage and Danny Rand, Misty Knight, Mark Spector, who's Moon Knight, uh, White Tiger, Felisa Hardy, and the Sons of the Tiger are the human resistant movement. So they run this sapien town, but they're also part of this human resistant movement. And then Logan finds out that he's a premier operative with S.H.I.E.L.D. in something called the Elite Red Guard, and he's romantically involved with Mystique. Now, the issue starts out with Logan remembering everything. Now this is going to be a huge deal after House of M because Wolverine, one of the things that happened after House of M, finally remembers everything. So he he's dreaming about everything that has led up to the bright light that changed everything. And he's like, I remember my life, my whole life, what's going on here? What did we do yesterday? What happened in Genosha? She goes, I don't know. What happened with Lord Magnus? And he goes, oh, I need to find the professor. And she's like, who's the professor? So he jumps out of the helicarrier, because Logan can do that, jumps into a building, because he's got his healing factor, and he's looking through New York City, but it's not the same New York City. It's the House of M New York City, so he's going, what is going on here? So he's got to find the professor. He, he jacks some guy that has a motorcycle and takes off, and he obviously he's needing to go to Westchester. So he goes to the very familiar address of 1407 Gray Malkin Lane, Salem Center, Westchester County. That's where the X-Men mansion is. He comes into the house, 
and he sees somebody in the master bedroom sleeping. He goes, where's Charles Xavier? The person goes, who? Don't lie to me. Where is Charles Xavier? I don't know who that is. You have the wrong house. He goes, how long have you lived here? He says, 15 years. Please leave my family alone. So Wolverine definitely knows there's something going on. So he leaves the guy and takes off. So he goes to this bar and pub, and he's looking for Professor Xavier on the phone directory. Because back then, you can look in it, and he can't find the professor anywhere. So he rides back into New York City, where he's just trying to find anybody that he can go. So he goes to Stark Tower, and he says, I'm looking for, for Tony Stark. Just tell him I, uh, I'm here. And she goes, what would you need to see Mr. Stark for, James? He's like, you're calling me James. So then the red uh, squad that Wolverine is in control of, run by his second-in-command, Jessica Drew, who was one of the Spider-Women, uh, they're like, what's going on with you? Why are you going rogue like that? Mystique comes up, and they're like, we have a tracker on you. That's how we found you. So he takes out Jessica Drew, and they all start shooting at him, because... What else do you do? You can't take down Wolverine by any more, more conventional means. And one of the members of this Red Squad is a teleporting Nightcrawler who jumps on Wolverine's back and knocks him down. Wolverine gets back on the motorcycle and takes off, and he ends up going into Sapien Town, where Luke Cage and all those other guys, and he's like, what is going on here? He goes, Cage? He goes, how do you know me? He goes, what is going on here? He goes, you talk like you know me. He goes, "What? what is this? And the person behind him goes, you heard the man, get out of here. And the Avenger cloak opens up his cloak, and Hawkeye is pointing an arrow at him that says, go ahead, make a move. Like, ooh, this is some stuff going on here. Now, the last issue we're going to cover is even weirder thing, like, what's going on with the Incredible Hulk? So, in the House of M, Bruce Banner had a secret side, a personality that hides this exterior rage. Uh, and after years of emotional turmoil and self-exile, he seeks to calm his fierce uh, anger by going into this peaceful realm. And he ends up going to the Australian outback and working with some uh, tribes to calm himself. And uh, he's shaved head, everything, but he is uh, uh, part of this uh, tribe in uh, the, the backwoods of the Australian outback. And he's peaceful, he's calm. And uh, he's in this huge village. But as happens in the Hulk's life, nothing stays that way for very long. There seems to be some, like, tracker group, technology, the whole deal, that's tracking that tribe that he's in. And it looks like they're getting ready to attack, round up the people. And uh, they're working out of this submersible. And there looks like there's another group that's about ready to attack this tribe. And it's a bunch of people in these mechanical outfits. So the two groups start fighting each other. The tribe is on the run. And Bruce Banner says, they need to help. I've never actually seen any of this fighting going on here. I need to stop what's going on. So he emerges from the woods as his people in the tribe are being attacked. And he goes, you need to leave now. So he throws a boomerang at one of the guys, and there's a shield up. And the, they all start pointing their guns at him. He goes, you're making a mistake. Uh, they toss him into the water, and a bunch of alligators crawl in, and they're like, okay, well, he's uh, he looked familiar, but uh, he's pretty much going to be dead. So the water starts churning, and the Hulk emerges and says, g'day, now leave. He beats the crap out of the entire squad that comes after him, and he tosses them all over the place. And uh, one of the other factions that's in on it, one of the, the commander ladies, she's attacking the guys that attack the Hulk. And the Hulk takes out those guys. And he's uh, he 
left. He's like, who attacked my people? So he goes after everybody, and he just tears through the entire uh, mechanical realm. And they've got tanks, mechanical armor, and you see their command central. They're seeing all this happen on the screen. And they're like, oh crap, that's the Hulk. And they go, how do you know who he is, Pyro? And the other guy says, Pyro is one of the Philippines. He goes, I know who that is. It's the Hulk. We faced them before. Didn't Magneto say, leave these guys alone? And they're like, well, didn't really say to, he goes, uh, Exodus, who was one of Magneto's right hand man in the regular universe, kills Pyro. And uh, they're like, well, you know what? The Hulk uh, can stand in the way of our evolution in this area. We need to take him out for our master plan to work. So the next day, Bruce Banner is back to being Bruce Banner. He's talking to the village sage, and he's like, I don't want to do this but I need to save everybody, I need to do what I need to do, and the sage is like, you need to do what you need to do, I won't stop you, but remember, there's no going. So that's where we're going to end this episode. We've met most of the characters in the Warped Reality. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to get further and further into the Warped Reality with all the other characters as well. So it's like, introduction.